You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dengel. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can hit me at Ryan Dengel. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I'm going to bring in a guy that hasn't been here in a couple weeks. That's Patrick Sheldon. Yeah, he still works here. It's still a thing. <laughs> if you want to find Sheldon uh, on Twitter, you can hit at P underscore Shells. Shells, how are you, dude? I'm doing great. Uh, if we were live and had an audience, I could hear the booze when I get introduced. They're probably uh, enjoying the, the two-week hiatus, but... Uh, it was a much needed time uh, to recharge a family, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. Love it, dude. Love it. Uh, let's bring in Jack Wright, my right-hand man. Uh, if you want to find Jack on Twitter, it's at BearDownJack. Uh, you're famous, man. Training camp, all these people retweeting you, some of them taking credit for some of the things that you had to say. Um, how's, how's life, Jack? It's going great. It's beginning to feel a lot like football, isn't it? It is. It is. It is indeed. Let's bring in the assistant editor of Bears Wire. You know him as Brennan Shagru. You want to find him on Twitter? It's at Brennan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Brennan, how's life, buddy? Life is good. It's been a good weekend. A lot of Bears talk, a lot of Bears happenings. But yesterday and you know today, it was kind of a nice chance to go to the brewery, take a nice long walk with my wife and my dog. So it, it was kind of nice to just disconnect for a brief moment and now reconnect with the Bears. So it's been good. So, boys, I'm still – we got a lot to talk about. Uh, there's a new – or sorry, there's a Bears wide receiver that's now playing for the Vikings. Just got trying to give a little bit of teaser. I don't know if you guys saw, but there were some signings. One former Packer. How perfect is that for this episode? We got a lot, a lot to talk about. Before we do that, though – Boys, we got some people that we absolutely positively have to thank um, to in order to to make this whole thing run. So, boys, let's 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 get these these people some some thankage. We do. We have to give a brief shout out to our guy Jeff Cadwallader because our friend Jeff Cadwallader has been working hard since the beginning of the year, just like Bears quarterback Justin Fields, to expand his real estate services, unlike Justin Fields, <laughs> to now include commercial <laughs> properties, and he's been killing it, like Justin Fields on the football field. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. If you are looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy. So call or text Jeff Cadwallader with SVN, that's S as in Sam, VN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com. So, guys, uh, my kids are going back to school next week, which is crazy how fast this summer went by. And uh, I had to take them to get some fresh cuts for the school year, get their – their they have hair. I don't. Uh, but I had to take <laughs> them to get their fresh their fresh haircuts for school, and they were really excited. Um, and we love their barber, but I wish I could take them uh, to Sheridan's, 
right? I really wish I could experience uh, all you guys experience and 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 uh, hearing how awesome Sheridan's is, is every time you guys go. I wish I could go. Uh, but unfortunately, we are not located anywhere near downtown Wheaton, Illinois, which is where Sheridan's is located. Uh, they've been serving the community for 69 years. They've got seven barbers, and they are open six days a week. So literally, you have no excuse to not go over there and get an appointment. They will uh, they will take good care of you. Um, they have appointments online or by phone. They're open Monday through Saturday. So go visit them at SheridansBarbershop.com. Or call them at 630-668-0137 and book your appointment today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. So, folks, I don't know about you, but so I got a little one. And when I first had her, I started carrying her differently. And all of a sudden, my shoulder pain. I've had some surgery done on this shoulder. And I went to see a physical therapist. I went to see the best physical therapist, Dr. Lene of Beyond Physio. Amazing. I didn't meet with an assistant. She wasn't like she talked to me for five minutes and then walked away and had somebody else doing the stuff. I was with her the entire time. Beyond Physio is dedicated to supporting you and achieving a pain-free and active lifestyle. Their mission is to empower you to take control of your physical health and well-being through personalized care and evidence-based treatment in physical therapy reimagined located in St. Charles, Illinois. No referral from your physician is required to get started. Free consultations. Get, get a hold of Dr. Linne right now. Shoot her a text 331-248-3533. Follow her on Instagram. She gives out great tips. It's Dr. Linne. That's L-I-N-N-E-A dot P-T. Instagram, awesome follower. If you want to, you can look at our Instagram and see follows. Boys, we got a phenomenal guest. Brendan, I know you're excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about it. Let's bring in our awesome, awesome guest. Let's do it. He is the co-founder of The Leap. We're going up north. He is Jason Hirschhorn. He covers the pet. Like I said, he covers the package for the leap. Jason, welcome to the Bear Down Chicago podcast. We are so thrilled to have you here, even though you cover the enemies to the north. How are you doing this weekend? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing great. I mean, like Jack said earlier, football is in the air. There's a lot of practices going on. We were talking right before we got on the show just about the family fests. And I honestly, I didn't get to hear your answer. So I just kind of want to kick it off with this. What's your thoughts on what's going on with just the discourse between Packers Family Fest on Saturday night and Bears Family Fest today? I mean, it, it just seems ridiculous that this, I mean, of course, the oldest rivalry in the NFL we're now arguing about family fests before the preseason. Well, it does seem somewhat fitting, right? Like this is, as you put it, the oldest rivalry in the NFL. And of course that like a family means constant, constant negative and toxic discourse. And it's not just between Bears and Packers fans. I think you're seeing a lot of that between fans of the Green Bay Packers because I don't know if you guys heard this, but there's been a lot of change in Green Bay this offseason. <laughs> There has. And I think that is the biggest question that's burning on everybody's mind, including our own. So let's just get right into it. Jason, the, the Packers have a new quarterback this year for the first time in over 15 years. Jordan Love, how has he looked up to this point in your eyes in training camp? I mean, it's really hard to say because until this past week, the Packers and most teams were not even in pads. So to assess performance when they're still in shells, you know, helmet, 
and shorts. That doesn't really tell you very much, good or bad. And then you look further down. You know, Jordan Love has, I believe it's 83 career pass attempts to this point in time. And you know, you can choose your favorites if you like, but that's just not a sample size that one can judge a quarterback. And there's been, you know, a start didn't go super well for Jordan Love. And, you know, some people are making long-term projections off of that. He also had two really good drives against the Philadelphia Eagles, but again, two drives, nine passes, not exactly a useful sample size. So from the outside perspective, it's kind of a black box with Jordan Love, and I think that's true for the Packers as well, inside their organization. You know, they obviously feel positive about him. They, they have a lot of belief in him, but those things are not proof of concept. They will not have those until, at best, some point this season. Just as a quick, Jason, I'm curious to know, are you sick of answering questions about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love to, to people outside of uh, Packers fandom? No, I love it so much. Talking about healing crystals, homeopathy, uh, all sorts of weird, let's just say non-FDA approved medication regimens. No, it's really what I live for. I love it so much. Fair enough. That's yeah. the, kind of the perfect segue then. I mean, what he, I mean, Rogers was a fixture there at camp. So now he's gone. Is there any palpable difference that you see with him gone from day to day in camp with the vibe of the team? I haven't really noticed to the degree that one can a difference between like, let's say training camp this time a year ago. And now other than like what the players are being asked, I think a more useful comparison is the Packers training camp circa 2008, that being Rogers' first year as the starter. And this time, and those are dramatically different experiences. You know, in 2008, the Packers fans were actively booing the new starting quarterback. And you know, usually don't see that with fans of any given team, right? Like this is a guy who would be the first round pick, a guy who independent of where he landed was considered to be a potential franchise quarterback, finally getting the chance to start. And the fans, not across the board, but in large numbers were booing him. That's not the case this time around. Jordan Love has received a lot of support. I think that's in part because Rodgers, over the previous three years, has really at least publicly embraced Jordan Love. That's, that's a big difference from the way that Favre treated Rodgers, famously saying that it you know, wasn't his job to mentor a young quarterback. That approach has probably calibrated the audience for this. You know, it doesn't mean anything with Jordan Love long term, obviously, right? Like if he becomes a great quarterback, the fans are going to love him. If he doesn't play well, the fans aren't. Like that's ultimately what's going to decide that. But in terms of how the reception has been, it feels mostly positive. Hey, Jason, it, it, interesting dynamic, right? You mentioned Jordan Love doesn't have a whole lot of experience on the field, but he is entering his fourth season uh, in the system. So I'm curious, what are your realistic expectations of him going into the season? You know, there, there's talk about kind of the the shell of a, of a good team is there. And if he can just kind of manage that, then some people think the Packers may have a shot at the playoffs this year. So I'm curious, what do you think are realistic expectations for Love heading into this season? I think it's worth pointing out here that there are a lot of NFC teams that have an on-paper viable shot at the playoffs, and it's really more of a reflection of the conference as a whole, right? Like it's, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, assuming Brock Purdy is healthy. And that's kind of it in terms of really established commodities. So, yeah, from that perspective, if Jordan Love is good, that the Packers could actually make a playoff run. But again, that's a real question. So with Jordan Love, what we have seen from him so far, again, extremely limited sample size, is that when he is well protected, that he not just delivers the ball where it's supposed to go, but he does it on time. 
and that's not nothing, but that also isn't the whole picture, right? Like there are a lot of quarterbacks that under perfect conditions played a really high level. I mean, we see that elsewhere in the NFC North, like Jared Goff, when he is adequately protected is actually an extremely efficient quarterback. The same thing with Kirk Cousins. And it's in those other situations when the play breaks down, not just the protection. If let's say the coverage post-snap is not what it appeared to be pre-snap, when the quarterback has to make those adjustments. Those are the things with Jordan Love that not only we at the outs- on the outside don't know, the Packers themselves do not know. Now, he has the tools to do those things, but that's not the same as actually showing that he's going to put all of that together. And that's the biggest question for me going into the season. Now, if the Packers protect Jordan Love well, if they're able to prepare him for what he's going to see in terms of the defense, the coverage, you know, he's probably going to be okay. But what happens in those, you know, five to 10 plays a game where you drop back and either there's already a pass rusher in your face or a safety rotated down when you didn't expect him to or didn't rotate down when you expected him to. And suddenly you are looking at a different picture than you expected. Those are the questions for any young quarterback. And that's the biggest thing I have for Jordan Love at this point. So Jason, let's talk a little bit about the receiving core. You know, I think we talk a little bit about Christian Watson bursting onto the scene uh, week seven against the Dallas Cowboys, really seeming to to pick up a lot of steam. How are you, how are Packers fans feeling uh, about this receiving core being led by him moving forward in 2023? So there's kind of two questions you need to answer within that, right? There's Christian Watson individually, and there's a lot to be excited for there because he's, you know, so big, so athletic. He had that extremely productive stretch that started in October of last year, went into November. But then there's the receiving core as a whole, and that obviously relates to Watson, but that's a different thing. This is one of the youngest receiving cores, not like in the NFL this year, in recent NFL history. All of the guys at the top are second-year players. That's Christian Watson, as we just discussed, Romeo Dobbs, and a seventh-round pick, Samari Tuber, who's played a little bit but not a lot. Then you have Jaden Reed, the second-round pick this year, and a bunch of question marks of guys who are either second-year players or rookies. There is no veteran experience among the wideouts. And you know we have seen teams go into seasons with mostly young receiving courses. The guys at the top were young, but there was still a veteran or two in that group. The Packers have not done that. And it's really hard to say how that's going to go because, as I just said, we have not really seen a lot of this anywhere in recent NFL history. So getting back to Watson, he obviously has you know pretty much any tool you would want in a receiver. You know, he's 6'4 and change. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL. You know, when he has the ball in his hands, he's very creative. But he's also a second-year player who missed all of training camp last year had a very slow start to his rookie season because of that. And yeah, he did catch fire come October, but you're still talking about a player who's had like about half of a season of, of, of at least, you know, track record. And, you know, he could end up being a very good number one receiver at some point in his career. But I think it's asking a lot of him to be that guy in 2023 as a second year player working with a first time starting quarterback with a lot of other changes around him. So, I have a lot of questions for this group, even if you look, you know, player to player, you know, Romeo Dobbs, too, I think is actually a very interesting and talented player. But again, second year guy, very young. And uh, if it works out for them, this might be a sign to other teams that they can go this route, not worry about having veterans in that group. But there's probably a reason we don't see a lot of teams in the NFL take this approach. Yeah, the Bears took it last year, and it really didn't go well. <laughs> I mean, like a couple, granted, they they did have a couple veterans signing like Byron Pringle and then Equinemia St. Brown, who you guys know well, but uh, you all in all, when you're in all of football. 
you know what he's definitely uh one of two yeah <laughs> um but the point is like it is it is kind of one of those scary moments where as we as bears fans last year and i'm not comparing these two players by any means but like we had the same sort of feeling that oh darnell mooney he's a young player he's flashed can he take that next step but when he's not surrounded by much else around him at the receiving court kind of sounds like that with christian watson so this might be a little unfair to ask because you just laid it out. There's a lot of unknown, but I think, you know, we talked about expectations for Jordan love. What are your expectations for Christian Watson? Like, do you think he can actually ascend to, I guess, like potentially a a true wide receiver one is he maybe like, you know, wide receiver two on a good team. Like where do you see his ceiling at? I think his ceiling is as a quote unquote, true number one wide receiver. But I want to stress again, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to reach that this season. You know, you do see with wide receivers in general, a big jump from year one to year two. And I don't think that's out of the question for Christian Watson, but usually that's working with largely the same infrastructure, right? Like similar quarterback in head coach and play caller and the play caller and head coach are the same. The quarterback is not. And yeah, Christian Watson could become a great player this year in theory. And if Jordan Love is not able to get him the ball regularly and on time within the structure of that offense, that could be a problem that would affect his productivity, but not necessarily reflect on him directly. So there are just so many variables that, yeah, it is really hard to assess what any of these players are going to do at the outset. Yeah, Brennan, let me jump in there real yeah. quick. I, Jason, I'm curious. I mean, a lot of that depends on what kind of approach the Packers take with Love, right? I mean, if they take a very measured approach towards the offense and, and lean on the run game heavily and kind of protect him, so to speak, um, I mean, that's going to obviously limit opportunities for Watson to develop and some of the other wide receivers. So w- where do you think the Packers are mentally uh, in terms of what kind of, of approach they're going to take offensively? I mean, it, I'm, I'm assuming it depends on how love comes out of the gate, but uh, do you think there's a there's a scenario where they kind of take the training wheels off early in the season, or do you think they're going to be leaning on the run game most of the year and kind of picking their spots um, with love? So over the course of any given season with this particular coaching staff, I, I don't see it being a quote-unquote run-first offense. Now, those coaches – well, almost to a man, always talk about the offense being predicated on the run. And in, in a very coachy way, that's true, right? Like so much of it is making their runs look the same as certain other plays, like their play action, a lot of stuff that in Chicago, you know, you guys are not familiar with, you know, year into the Luke Getze experience. But this is going to be an offense that is going to be heavy, heavily reliant on the pass, independent of who's behind center. So I I do think that there's going to be a fair amount of opportunities for, in this case, Christian Watson. And it doesn't take many touches for a player like Watson to be highly productive, right? Like he's had games where he only touched the ball three, four times, ended up with over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. So it it doesn't take a lot to make Christian Watson effective because of the kind of player he is. But again, it's going to come down to Jordan Love operating that offense correctly. And in, in terms of that other question you asked about taking the training wheels off, I do think at some point they're going to have to do it whether or not they want to, because you know, this is an offense that if you look at where the experience is concentrated, it is the offensive line. It is an extremely experienced group. It's probably, you know, it, unless they have an extremely bad rash of health concerns, it's going to be one of the most stable groups in the NFL. I mean, David Bakhtiari, who dealt with a lot of injury issues the previous two seasons, finally appears to be over that injury odyssey. 
And he could, you know, still miss games. That's always possible with a, with an offensive lineman on the wrong side of 30. But when he's on the field, he remains one of the best left tackles in the league. Elton Jenkins also over his knee issue. That's their left side. That provides a lot of ample protection and a lot of opportunities, not just in the run game, but for play action built off of it. I think it's going to be an even bigger part of that offense this year than it was last year, the, uh, the final season with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Because play action is something that Rodgers would do especially under Matt LaFleur relative to what he'd done under Mike McCarthy. But it was clearly not his favorite thing to do in terms of the turn your back to the defense version of it, which is, on paper, the most effective form of play action. You know, some of the big plays we've seen, for example, with Justin Fields in the passing game have been over the, you know, the under center, turn your back to the defense, play action, getting those wide receivers open because of that run action really sucking the linebackers. That's going to have to be a huge part of the Packers' offense with Jordan Love. You know, that's true of Jordan Love is a bad quarterback. It's going to be true if Jordan Love is a mediocre, good quarterback. That's just fundamentally a thing that they are going to have to focus on this season. Uh, without uh, the risk of beating a dead horse, I'm just curious because hearing you describe the concerns with Jordan Love and hearing you talk about the wide receiver cores and then to say that it's going to be an offense heavily reliant on the passing game, I guess I would have assumed you would have said – veteran offensive line, two beasts at running back, and that's the confidence of this particular offense. So if they're going to go heavily predicated on the pass, this like, are you concerned? I would be concerned if I were a Packers fan and, and that was like the direction ahead. So this is where we have to talk about how not all passes are made equal, right? Like in the straight drop back passing game when there's you know, there's either no running back in the backfield, it's an empty personnel set, or there's no real because of the situation. It's like third and long. There's no viable threat of the run, and that guy's just there for pass protection. That's a lot more difficult for any quarterback to do, and probably especially difficult for a first-time starter. That's not necessarily what we're talking about, though. It's about in those neutral game situations where it's early downs, where the defense has to prepare for either a pass or a run. That's where I think you're going to see them lean to the pass because you're going to get defensive looks where you know they're not necessarily loading the box, but they're going to prepare to defend the run. You can run play action off of that. You can even uh, motion people around to create matchups that you like. You know, the Packers, as I know you guys are aware with the Bears, they use something similar. These a lot of bunch personnel to really confuse the defense in terms of which receiver is going where and who's covering who. They really play with the defensive numbering game that way. Those are the things I think the Packers are going to lean into, the stuff where they're really manufacturing easier passes for the quarterback. And that's something that you're going to presume that Jordan Love is going to be better at than the straight drop back game if it's, you know, two-minute drill, you know, the Packers have to get down the field in a short amount of time without really using the run game very much. That's going to be more challenging for anyone, but you have to imagine that's the most challenging version of the passing that Jordan Love might face. That's what they're going to try to avoid as much as possible. It's again, neutral game situations where it could be the run of the pass. That's what I think you're going to see them lean more into the pass, take advantage of some of those better defensive looks for them. Jason, the Chicago Bears have a terrible, terrible history of quarterbacking. It's it's no mystery. We are we fully own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, we know for sure. Um, but the flip side of that is that you guys have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. Do you do you get any sense that there may be expectations too high for Jordan Love, um, or or perhaps that uh, that it would be almost impossible for him to live up to uh, the, this this brand of amazing quarterbacking that you guys have had for so long? Does, does that question make sense to you? 
Yeah, I think I understand the, the spirit of your question. And I guess I would say there probably aren't a lot of good faith takes on Jordan Love, positively <laughs> or negatively at this stage. Fair. Like, dude, honest, very you, fair. Yeah, no, very fair. Absolutely, 100%. Like you, 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 you look at like the, the family night practice the Packers had on, on Saturday, and there's one particular play where Jordan Love extends with his legs, ends up throwing uh, back across his body to Aaron Jones for a touchdown. And there are certain people, and it's both fans and certain people in the media, who look at it as like, ah, look at that. The playmaking is there. And then you have the other group. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, that defender led up because it's a no-contact practice situation. It would have been a sack or a throwaway. And it's like, okay, yeah, those are both partially right and a lot incorrect at the same time because these are not true game or even scrimmage situations. And those situations are not going to exist until at best the preseason and more likely into the regular season. So I think anyone with a particularly strong take on what Jordan Love is or isn't going to be is really just projecting their hopes. Like I I will tell you straight out, I have no idea what Jordan Love is going to be. I don't pretend to know what Jordan Love is going to be. And I have never really had an idea of what Jordan Love is going to be, even going back to his time at Utah State. Like at the time, his final season in college – I was actually covering the Chargers for Sports Illustrated, and it got to the point in the Chargers season where it was both clear that they weren't going to make the playoffs and clear that Phil Rivers was unlikely to return and that they were going to be looking in the draft for that next quarterback. And what I've been told is that one of the guys they were taking a closer look at was Jordan Love. So, you know, I, I'm not, you know, a scout, but I, I watched a fair amount of his games, both that season and the season before. And it's like, yeah, he's got a lot of physical talents, and that very much does not manifest on the field the way you would like to do if you're his team's coaching staff. So, yeah, we haven't really seen anything since and then, right? Like his rookie year, he literally didn't play, like no preseason games. He was inactive every game of the regular season of the playoffs. Second year, he saw a little bit of time, that one star against the Chiefs. That was it. Last year, a little bit of activity in mop-up duty and that semi-extended run against the Eagles. That's nothing really to go off of. And just because you really liked what you saw or really didn't like what you saw in a practice for Jordan Love shouldn't really shift your opinion that strongly one way or the other. I'm going to reserve judgment personally until probably like a full season plus into Jordan Love's tenure as a starting quarterback because – I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen that look a particular way early in their career and then look totally different later? Like Jared Goff. There you go. This is a great example. Uh, Or the other way, like Baker Mayfield looked very promising as a rookie, right? Like (laughs) latter thirds of the season when he's the starter. And Baker Mayfield is, let's just say, not looking as great right now, now on his like fourth or fifth team. So these things are very fickle. They're prone to change. And even if the Packers have in the past done a very good job of figuring out who's going to be the franchise quarterback, doesn't mean that they have no idea what Jordan Love might be, but also doesn't mean that they know for sure. They will tell you in in press conferences, in I say Mark Murphy's other availabilities, that they don't know, that they feel positive about him, but belief and knowledge are two different things, and we're still in the former stage at this point. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Jason, before we get into just a couple Bears questions, especially with some of the new additions, I'm curious about the defense. We spent a lot of time on the offense. Joe Barry is still the Packers' defensive coordinator, and things did not go well for that defensive unit last year. Even though they have a ton of young guys, they invested a lot in the draft. Is there hope that Joe Barry is the guy that can help this unit rebound, or is this going to be another tough year, even with a lot of talented players on that defense? Great question. 
I would frame the upside scenario as the defense succeeding despite only having Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator. If you look at what they are trying to do, and this was true in 2022 and in 2021, it actually makes a lot of sense. They are trying to do, I would say, an adjusted version of what Brandon Staley did during his time with the Rams and overall kind of like that adjusted uh, Vic Fangio defense. That makes a lot of sense with their personnel. The problem has been when you have to pivot off of that because the opposing offense is forcing you into positions you don't want to be in, the Packers have been slow to adjust. The most glaring example of this was at the start of last season when the Vikings put Justin Jefferson into the slot where Jair Alexander basically wouldn't see him. And as it turns out, not covering Jeff or Justin Jefferson with your best quarterback is not a good strategy. <laughs> Now, during the very back, I want to say it was like four or five games of the 2022 season, the Packers did make those adjustments. It was, you know, coming out of, I don't remember if it was, uh, if it was a real, yeah, it was coming out of their bye. You started to see them with fewer blitzes, more simulated pressure. So there was the appearance of pressure pre-snap that didn't end up forming. And that helps a lot of defenses sort of protect their coverage. And while still forcing the offense to adjust their, their protections at the line of scrimmage pre-snap. So you start to see some adjustments then, but, you know, by the time you get to December, for most defenses, for most teams, it really is too late. Uh, on paper, this Packers defense still has a lot of talent, and not just like talent, like, like you know, could develop, like already developed talent. You know, Kenny Clark, one of the better interior defensive linemen in the league. Rashawn Gary, when he returns from his knee injury, should be one of the better pass rushers. You know, Preston Smith, not not a superstar by any means, but a, a very solid pass rusher. You know, they added Lucas Van Ness in the first round. Any edge rusher as a rookie is going to be a bit of a crapshoot, but a, at least on measurables, you can see how in limited snaps he could be highly effective. That quarterback group, when healthy, could be one of the best in the NFL. So the, the talent is there, and it's going to be a matter of, is the coaching staff going to let that defense do what it needs to do, or is it going to force into a particular mold that may not fit with their seeing from the opposing offense? Because that was the issue for them through a lot of 20, 2022, the issue for them even in parts of 2021. And the ceiling of the defense is still very high, but if you're only seeing that ceiling for you know four or five games. It doesn't matter. That's a really good point. It's a good breakdown too. Thank you. Um, all right. So we're going to transition a little bit to the bears here and get your uh, predictions and just, you know, what you're expecting from them. They took a couple Packers this off season at the tight end position. First Robert Tunyon in March signed in a one-year deal. And then most recently, a couple days ago with Mercedes Lewis, the ageless wonder also going to tight end. So <laughs> we want to hear from you just what bears fans can expect from these two players. They're very different you know, at the position, but what can you tell us about what we're getting in Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis? So the Mercedes Lewis signing, I actually think is going to be the more impactful one of the two, not in terms of the stat sheet. Like this is not a tight end who's going to right. see a lot of targets and the targets he sees are mostly going to be when the offense is like one to two yards removed from the goal line. And he leaks out after like a two second, if even that long block, and that's totally fine. But where it can be extremely impactful for the bears, which where he was extremely impactful for the Packers is as a blocker. And when you look at the bears offensive line, it, it is more talented on paper than it was last year, but it's also still very young. And that's why having someone like Mercedes Lewis can really help. Mercedes Lewis is one of the very few tight ends in the entire NFL that can actually reliably pass protect against top edge rushers one-on-one. -on -one. You really don't see a lot of tight ends like this anymore. Well, if he can do that one-on-one, -on -one, guess what that means? You can slide the rest of your protection to help maybe the rookie right tackle that the Bears took 
it was a 10th or 11th overall. So those kind of changes can be super impactful, even if it never shows up on the stat sheet, because the difference between having Mercedes Lewis, let's say, lock down the guy who's rushing over the left side and having the right guard help out on the right side with, with the right tackle, that could be the difference between a blown play that ends in a sack or you know a first down conversion. So I, I think in that sense, that was an extremely valuable addition for the Bears. And, and it makes sense too, right? Like uh, Mercedes Lewis has been with the Packers, I think, for four or five seasons. A lot of that time overlap with Luke Getze. He was never his uh, position coach, but he's still someone with which he has familiarity. And he's certainly very familiar with that offense, with that scheme. All of those things make make that addition very or potentially very impactful. Now, Robert Tunyon, two seasons ago, had, I would say, a very strange season. It was highly productive. He finished with, I'm looking at the numbers right now, something like eight touchdowns. Uh, he had like a, like a catch uh, conversion of, it was like 70 plus, maybe even 80 plus percent. It was one of those seasons where like on paper, there's almost no way that he's going to be able to replicate this. And of course, it didn't happen, right? Like he had his knee injury. Even before that, he wasn't as productive, even if he was still very productive. And then coming back from his ACL tear last season, he was, you know, a useful tight end. He wasn't someone that was like unrosterable or anything, but he wasn't creating a lot for the Packers after the catch. And I don't expect that to change in Chicago. You know, he's someone who can get open, especially get open within that scheme. And that's going to be very valuable for a, you know, for a young quarterback in Justin Fields who wants to have more opportunities over the middle. I think it's going to be a lot of he finds his opening, he gets hit by Justin Fields, and then like half a year later he's down, and that's fine. Like they, the, the Bears did not spend a lot to get Robert Tunyon in. He may only be there for a year or two, and all of that's totally fine. He can have that nice niche role for them to figure out, you know, what Justin Fields is as a quarterback. Obviously, that's still a part of the, the process for the Bears, and then the Bears will move on a year or two from now, and that's totally fine. But again. I think Mercedes Lewis, probably the more impactful signing for the Bears among those tight ends that came from Green Bay because of all the things he can do in terms of the protection. Jason, what are you expecting from the Chicago Bears this season? So I will say I'm expecting significant improvement, but probably not the improvement in terms of the record that I, I imagine a lot of Bears fans are looking for. The track record of teams that finished with the worst record in football going the following season and having just a winning record, whatever form that takes, is extremely limited. Now, it's an NFC North that is very open. It's an NFC in general that's very open. Those things do bode well for the Bears. But the Bears could improve by like four or five wins. And that would be an, just a tremendous improvement historically. And that would not put them anywhere close to the playoff picture. And ultimately, for the Bears, I think most people would agree that doesn't ultimately matter. It's the Bears need to get clarity on what Justin Fields is or isn't. You know, the best case for them would be Justin Fields proves that he's the guy and they can build around him, especially with those extra draft picks that they're going to have in 2024. The next best scenario for them is actually if they know for sure that Justin Fields isn't the guy and they can move forward in 2024 and use those assets to find the replacement. The worst outcome long-term for the Bears, I would think, and this is also true for the Packers, is going into the 2024 offseason still not really knowing whether Justin Fields is the guy that they need to build around. So as long as the Bears get clarity one way or the other on him, it is a successful season. So you mentioned the – we talked a lot about the Packers and the Bears tonight, but you mentioned the NFC North being wide open. I agree. Uh, where do you see or how do you see the NFC North shaking out and who do you think takes it this year? I have no idea. I, I think it really <laughs> comes down to – 
I, I guess the the three non-Bears teams, because again, I do think the Bears are very likely to improve significantly, and not just in terms of the win-loss record, like the actual like on-field advanced metrics, I think you're going to see significant improvement in those. Uh, I think they're going to have to improve significantly on defense, if for no other reason than that defense by the end of the year, by design pretty much, had removed almost all of the quality veteran talent and just bringing in anybody of quality. And the Bears obviously made a fair amount of additions there. I think you're going to see improvement, even if it's still, quote unquote, a bad defense. The offense, kind of a similar thing. Like they added players to the offensive line. They added players to the receiving court, DJ Moore most significantly. And the offense could improve significantly and still be like a very middling unit relative to the rest of the league. And that could still be okay. The Vikings are very interesting to me because they were really bad last year in every area but the record. And that kind of stuff just doesn't sustain. And I actually covered a team very much like this, almost like the mere opposite image in the 2019 Los Angeles Chargers. And that was a team that I think went two and nine in one score games, like an extremely hard record to produce in games that were decided by a single possession. And the Vikings were the opposite of that. Like they had, what was it like 12 ish, like one possession games or games decided by one possession. And they won almost all of those. I think it was like the only one they lost was like that playoff game, or maybe they lost one other one, but it was a very, very small amount of losses. There's no way if they're playing in that many close games or even close to that many close games, that they're going to peel off, you know, a, a 90 plus win percentage. And if you just project that coming back down, you look at their advanced metrics, and this was actually not a very efficient offense last year. The defense was also not very good. That's part of the reason why they made a change of defensive coordinator. That could end up being a team that viably finishes, you know, third place in that division. And they could win it too. Again, it's a very open division, but they could fall in terms of the record very significantly. And then that leaves us to the Lions, maybe the only team last season that kind of played more or less to their record. You know, they started off very slowly. They were like one in five or one in six start the year and then finished with uh, like a nine and eight record. And I think that actually is pretty much where they should have been over the course of that season. The offense was highly efficient, even if it trailed off a little bit at the end. Uh, the defense was terrible. And, and kind of like the Bears, you sort of have to project improvement because it really can't go down very much, if at all. And there are areas in which the Lions could plausibly improve, right? Like, this is going to be year two of Ben Johnson as the offensive play, or the full-time offensive play caller. That usually leads to things like more wrinkles, more things that are going to be better for that offense. And even though they're not going to have him for the first uh, five or six games of the year, Jameson Williams provides like a true game-breaking speed threat in the receiving core. And that's just not something that they've really had for a long time. They really haven't had since like Marvin Jones was part of that offense the first time around. And Marvin Jones is back there at like 34, 35 years old. I don't think that's going to be as impactful, certainly in terms of stretching the defense. But I look at that team and I see a lot of things to like. Uh, I'm Ross St. Brown, a very useful threat. If not for Justin Jefferson being in this division, Amon Ross St. Brown would have a pretty strong case as being the best returning, actually, I think really the only case for the best returning receiver. Uh, DJ Moore, obviously, is going to you know, have something to say about that this year, but they have weapons. They have a quality offensive line. They have a quarterback that in that system has been effective. And again, th that defense has enough young players that you can project improvement for, especially Aiden Hutchinson, that I guess I feel strongest about them, but you know, all of these things come with caveats. I don't think any of these are really truly like good, good teams. It's just, they might be good enough in this really weak division in this mostly weak conference. All right, Jason, let's get to what the shareholders really want to find out. <laughs> Who's going to win week one <laughs> and why? And, and very early prediction, how many, 
How many wins for the Packers this year? So you're going to have to remind me because I'm not looking at it. Is that game in Chicago or in Green Bay? I honestly, I know they open and close the season against each other. I just can't remember what the order is. It's in Chicago. Okay, it's in Chicago. Well, that would certainly aid the the Bears a little bit. I, I know that there was some concern, and not just in Green Bay, but but some concern uh, across the league about the health of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins as it pertains to playing on surfaces like the one they have at Soldier Field. Uh, so that, that it's a kind of thing that could actually affect the game plan in a meaningful way. Uh, I tend to think that the Packers are I – mean, I don't tend to think. They are an overall more talented team at this stage of the game. But with the very, very big questions we've discussed already of what do they have at quarterback, if Jordan Love is anything at or above you know average in that game – I, I think the Packers probably take just because there's all those additional questions with the Bears that the Packers don't have. But if Jordan Love goes out there, you know, it's his first start as the anointed full-time starting quarterback. If that is proving too bright for him, it wouldn't be shocking to anyone, right, if the Bears take that. So I guess I would lean Packers in that because of the talent, but I don't say that with a ton of confidence. All right, well, I'll take that. Not a ton of confidence, at least. But <laughs> Jason, this is this has been a ton of fun, man. Like, we really appreciate all of your insight. I do have one more question, and I should have realized it earlier that uh, you you mentioned you covered the Chargers before, and then you started covering the Packers for the leap um, when you uh, started it with Peter Bukowski. So I'm just curious, like, what did how did you end up doing that? Like, I sh- again, I should have asked it first, but. Um, what led you to covering the Packers over the last few years? So my time covering the Packers actually dates back to even before I was with Sports Illustrated covering the Chargers. I actually covered them okay. for many years for SB Nation, and that's around the time I became familiar with Peter. And then after a bunch of shakeups at Vox Media, I ended up going to a bunch of other places, including SI. And then afterward, I eventually was like, I have this, you know, not huge, but sizable audience of people who started following me when I was covering the Packers, I could theoretically go back and get another job like that, or I could, you know, cut out the middleman and do it myself. Peter felt very similarly about his situation. He'd covered the Packers for many years in, at several places, including Vox Media. So we came together, started the Leap newsletter, which your audience, if they're interested, because we do focus on the Packers, but we also spend a lot of time talking about the AFC North as a whole, find it theleap.football. That actually is the website, no.com, theleap.football. And, you know, we cover this team in a way and really cover the NFL in a way that we think is unique because we are not focused on like the same gamer that you'll see at every outlet that comes out two seconds after the game ends. Because if you're someone who cares enough to find coverage about a particular team or particular league, you probably already know what the outcome of the game was. You want to know the how and the why of what happened. And that's what we try to focus on during the season. We are five days a week during the off season. We are at least three days a week. And right now, obviously we're in the middle of training camp and we are focused a lot on all those fun stories that we had discussed earlier. Jordan Love, uh, the Packers family night practice, uh, a lot of stuff, including like the backup, the really niche stuff that is of interest mostly to those hardcore fans. I know that you guys like to cater to that fandom too with Chicago Bears. Those are the things that we're trying to do. We're trying to really get into those nitty gritty details, explain to you the league in a way that's digestible, but it's not just that like saccharine surface only stuff that like, yeah, you know who won and just repeating over and over again, who won is not going to help you. What we want to explain to you is why this result happened and what it means for the future. 
That's awesome. No, that's great backstory. And uh, we'll definitely be checking it out as we get ready for week one. Bears Packers, just the perfect way to open the season. I mean, you can't ask anything better than opening week in the NFL with Bears and Packers. So, Jason, again, we really appreciate the time. If uh, nobody, if people aren't following you on Twitter, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter or X or whatever that's yeah, being whatever. referred to at this point. <laughs> Uh, at by underscore jbh that is also my handle on threads for if and when we all escape to a different dystopian social media world uh i hope you guys follow along i hope you guys read my coverage at the leap and guys this has been a great time thank you jason thank you have a great rest of your summer man all right you too that is jason hirshhorn of the leap uh just great great analysis uh, I was uh, measured. Measured. I think that's Brendan. You said it so perfectly. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's some confidence there, which there should be. The the Packers have 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 dominated the the quote unquote rivalry. I think we've talked about it. It, it hasn't been a rivalry for a while, but I think he's very yeah. measured in his approach. I mean, guy obviously knows football really really well. He's a good dude. Um, it, it it's uh you know it, it was it was nice to have someone that 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 really really knows their stuff. Um, and again, measured in in their approach on on the pod. Brendan, thanks for. That's that was a good grab, man. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. All right. So boys, there's a lot of bears stuff to talk about. I, you know, maybe we, you know, we should go with, I don't know, the biggest one. Nikhil Harry is now playing for the Minnesota Vikings. All right. Game changing. Wearing number game game changing. We're, we're back. Yeah. We're, we're back at it. Uh, Okay. Let's, let's talk Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, We all, all of us, every, every person with a microphone and a Bears fandom has been talking about this. Um, how do you guys feel about this? A one-year deal worth ten and a half million. Um, let's we could talk contracts, whatever. Just your overall thoughts on the Yannick Ngakwe signing for this one. Let's go, Shells, Jack, Brennan, and I will finish it up. Yeah, I think it's a terrific deal. I mean, I, I don't want to hear all the complaints about how many teams he's been on. If this was a four or five year deal for a ton of money, I would say, okay, that's a legitimate concern. But unless you think he's going to walk out in the season midway through, uh, he's playing on a one year deal. He's playing for his next contract. He should be fairly motivated to perform. Uh, and when he does, he's fantastic. I mean, he is, you can pencil him in for eight sacks a year, almost any year he's played. So, uh, I think it changes the entire landscape of the defense. It, this defense is predicated on getting pressure, and and it is indispensable to the success of the back end of that defense to get pressure up front. Um, and if they can do that with Ngakwe, they can get one other player on that defensive line to outperform their expectations. Maybe a formidable defense. It may not be a great defense. It may not be top ten defense. But it could be a defense that uh, doesn't lose you every single game like we saw last year, and so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do. I, I'm I'm happy with the signing. They needed it desperately. From a football angle, my first thought was, if we can get a pass rush, our defensive backfield, which is loaded, is going to be even better at ball hawking than it already I think was going to be previously. Loved his presser. I mean, just really loved his presser. I, I looked into it. He got into some sort of a, a locker room scuffle. I think in 2018, it was a yelling match. I, you guys tell me if there's more to it in terms of him changing from team to team to team. But I, I didn't see any type of 
character issues. And in fact, I feel like Ryan Poles and Floos have a type and he matches the type character guys, good people. That's what, that's the reason, by the way, Ryan, that the Pittsburgh wide receiver isn't on the bears and shouldn't be on the bears as a BT dubs. But I I'm excited about the signing. It's nice to have a guy who clearly has a reputation of sacking the quarterback. I don't think that our safety will have the most sacks on the bears this year. Let's go. I hope not. All right. I've got a lot to say about this one. Um, So I was a big fan of the signing on the onset. I mean, this was the top edge rusher available on the market. He hasn't had a season with less than eight sacks. He's also, I believe he has the fifth most fumbles force fumbles since he came into the league in 2016 he's behind just a couple of guys named aaron donald tj watt khalil mack chandler jones you know just some guys they're, they're pretty good um so he does one thing and he does it well he rushes the passer um jack you mentioned about the bouncing from team to team i had a couple of questions about that too i know one of our guests we've had on taylor doll who covers the jaguars she came out and said i'm not the biggest fan of him. I just, you know, maybe didn't like covering him, but Tyler Dunn, who writes a newsletter and he covers the NFL. He had an interview with Yannick Ngakwe last year before he signed or right. I think right when he signed with the Colts and there was a little more information about not only his backstory, which is just tragic, bad household. He came up, he basically came up from nowhere. He, he had just a really rough upbringing, but also about the changing in teams and kind of what led to that. So first, the Jaguar situation, there was that public run-in with one of the owners, Tony Khan. Uh, That was kind of an issue, and he basically wanted a multi-year deal. They weren't going to give that to him. They franchised him. And so that was a public dispute on Twitter or X when basically he's like, just trade me. I'm done. I I don't want to be here anymore. So they traded him to the Vikings. The Vikings started off that season – Kind of things were going well, and then they didn't. I believe that was in 2020. So they traded him to the Ravens. And he even said that Rick Spielman, the former Vikings general manager, gave him the option. Like, you can stay, but if you want to go play for a contender, we'll let you go. Like, we understand that. And he said, I want to go play for for a contender. And he went to the Ravens. And he said, I probably shouldn't have gone to the Ravens, not because it was like a bad culture or anything, I didn't fit the defense. It was a 3-4. He's historically a 4-3 guy. So then he signs with the Raiders and on a two-year deal, thinks it's maybe you know the place for him. And he had a good season with them and Max Crosby in 2021. Uh, but they also felt like they upgraded with Chandler Jones, signing him in free agency. So once, or I think it was a trade, I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, once they got Chandler Jones, they saw Yannick as expendable and so they said, well, we're going to get something for him and we need a safety. So we're going to get Rock Yassin from the Colts. And so it, it just on the surface, when you see all of those things happen and all of those teams, your first instinct is to say this guy can't fit in anywhere. He's not a good teammate or whatever, but you kind of read into the details a little more. And admittedly, this is from Yannick's side. So maybe that there's always two sides to, to a story, but it seems like there's a little bit more to that. So I'm not as concerned about the whole he's a a bad locker room guy or anything. I just think there's just been some weird circumstances with him. But no matter where he's been, he has produced. And so that makes me excited about the Bears. Watching him 
uh, with some highlights. He seems like a guy who doesn't quit on sacks. So what I'm excited about is if the Bears can get their interior defense with Javon Dexter, Andrew Billings, Justin Jones, guys like that crashing in the middle of the offensive line and making the quarterback kind of hesitate a little bit, Yannick's going to finish. He gets pat. He might not be uh, beat their guy right off the line, but you give him a couple seconds, he's going to get there. And I think that bodes well for coverage sacks too, because the defensive backfield. We you talked about it, Jack. They're really, really solid in terms of now Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Tyreek Stevenson coming along. Um, if you get those guys being able to cover their receivers make the quarterback hold on to the ball for just a little bit longer than they should. I think Ngakwe is going to reach pay dirt. So um, it's great signing. And if it doesn't work well, it's a one-year deal. You just move on and you find your guy in the draft. They had the money to do it. Why not? Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, looking at that mentorship that they could be having from a guy like this. It, it, I'm very excited about it. We talked about it. This was the biggest weakness on this defense that Ryan Poles worked very hard to to refurbish, make better. And so this was the, the missing piece. Who knows? Maybe they're not done yet. Um, let's talk Mercedes Lewis quickly, gentlemen. Same order. Quick thoughts. Yeah, I, I won't say too much because I think Jason captured my uh, my thoughts on that perfectly. I really think he's going to be invaluable from a blocking standpoint, helping out that young offensive line. Um, so very, very shrewd move by Poles. The tight end room is much better. Uh, and as we covered on the last show, um, it's been a bit of a revolving door. And now I see a clear role for all three of the top tight ends a clear role and that offers a lot of sets that gets, he can go to. Um, and I'm excited about it. Jack, that's a great point. Uh, I felt like in years past, the tight ends all, all kind of seemed like a hodgepodge of the same guy uh, with some having, you know, a little bit stronger than the other in, in a certain area, but you're right. They, that's a great point. They do have three tight ends with very clearly defined roles this year. All we're missing is Mike Martz to say, let's extend Mercedes Lewis and trade Cole Komet because he doesn't fit the system. <laughs> Look how mad Ryan is. I'm still, I'm still mad about it. I'm still so mad about I. it. I remember, I remember because, you know, it was Facebook at the time. It was like, can we trade Mike Martz instead? Sorry, still, still mad. About I know, it. I know. I'm sorry. But uh, no, I pushed for this back in June. I wrote an article on Bears Wire basically stating why it was a right fit fantastic blocker great locker room guy and i'm really glad to hear that robert tunyon and luke getsy were kind of pushing ryan poles to get this done so um yeah i think you two mentioned it it's a it's a clear defined order of cole Komet is kind of that both in line and uh used as a passer robert tunyon is the u and then you have the uh clear in line guy with mercedes lewis and i really love what jason said about helping Darnell Wright and like Braxton Jones on either side is that extension blocker. Uh, they needed somebody like that. And I'm really glad they got him. You've got young unproven guys at that offensive line position. It's, it's awesome as a help. And Brendan, you said this in our text chain, think about where we were with tight ends four or five, Ben Broniker, all that just, ooh, ooh, ooh. we've had some bad runs at tight end. And so this makes me really happy. All right, boys, let's hit a true false. Chase Claypool will have more yards receiving this season than Darnell Mooney. Same order, boys. 
Wow. Wasn't ready for that one. That's a great question. More yards. I'm going to say, I'm going to say false. Uh, I think he may have more receptions. He could have more receptions, but I don't think he's going to have more yards. I, I see um, Mooney as, as more of a deep threat. I, I think his role is going to be as a deep threat. Um, and so, but I think Claypool's going to have a resurgent year. I don't think he's going to have more receptions than than Mooney. I think he could. I don't think he's going to have more yards for sure. But I don't see um, I don't see his role on this team as being just a deep threat guy. I don't know. I, I maybe I'll be completely wrong there, but um, I'm going to say false. That's a good one, Ryan. Um, and I went out on a limb at training camp when Brendan and I were there and, and took a picture of Clay, as Flues likes to call him, and said that he was unpopular opinion. He's going to have a career year. And that, that tweet blew up because apparently the thing to do in the offseason was to, to drag Claypool through the mud. And if there's a player that I would like to see prove everybody wrong, along with Fields, it's, it's Claypool. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say false. I'm gonna agree a little bit with with Patrick. I, I do think maybe receptions and touchdowns. He's got more, but but probably not receiving yards. I think you know you can see more like underneath routes and like maybe some red zone routes with Claypool using that big body uh, and his height to his, his advantage. And I still think he might have a career year. Um, I'm excited. Uh, it, it is a bit of a ridiculous ebb and flow of Claypool is the worst. And now Claypool is the king of camp BS to be honest with you. Um, but I, I hope he just balls out this year. I really don't know. I'm really struggling. And I put out a tweet earlier today that basically said like, well, Mooney is effectively as of now, the three based on just the volume and I'd say impactful plays that Claypool's making in training camp, but it does need to translate to the regular season. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get clowned either way. Uh, I'll say, I'll say true just because maybe if I manifest it, Claypool does have that career year. Like Jack was saying, I mean, he's, he's had two seasons of 800 yards. He had that one season of 11 touchdowns. I do agree with both of you saying that he's going to have more receiving touchdowns. I think that's a given because of just the mismatch and what he can do in the red zone. And I can kind of see Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore as similar kind of players in a sense. So maybe DJ kind of takes away from Mooney a little bit, but I, I think it's going to be really close between Claypool and Mooney. I really do think both of them are probably going to be around that, you know, between 700 and 900 range. So we'll see, but I, I guess I'll say true for now. I, I thought I was going to be the only guy. I, I think I'm, it's, it's going to be true. Uh, I think he's that big bodied physical receiver. He's also got some, some wheels on him and the chemistry seems to be clicking. Um, not to say that he didn't have it with Darnell Mooney, but I don't know. It's a shiny new toy and I'm, I'm anxious to see what, what it happens. Boys, this has been a fun episode. What do we got to talk about? What have we missed? Shells, Jack, Brendan, anything that we have missed? From this episode, I do want to say Brendan and I are going to be at training camp this week. So if you get a chance, please, please come by and say hello. Uh, I, I swear we are not mean people and we would love to talk to you, uh, talk bears, whatever it might be. 
What are we? Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there Tuesday and Wednesday, and then uh, Dangle and I are going to be there on Wednesday. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about a little bit. I don't want to dwell on the. I guess infamous Wednesday practice about the offense, just crap in the bed. But what I do want to talk about is just the, the chirpiness and the attitude of the defense and just kind of like how it seems like they're really trying to hit their stride. A lot of guys in the media, Eddie Jackson said things are getting scarier. Like he's like, I know I'm a broken record, but I feel really confident about this. Uh, A few other guys just said like thing, this feels different. This feels like night and day from last year. So I kind of want to hear from you guys what your thoughts are on kind of the defense's attitude over the last few days. I mean, I like the chippiness, you know, I thought I saw somebody say that if, you know, it was under Matt Nagy that they would have like come together and had like a, you know, like a kumbaya circle to try to work it all out, but that's not quite how it's gone under flus. I I mean, it's nice to have a bit of edginess uh, for sure. And it used to be that a fight would break out pretty much every camp. Uh, and I'm not sure we've really seen that in the last few years. Not that that's the major indicator of a team's overall success. And I do think most of what we're talking about now is camp stuff and the rubber meets the road, you know, week one, that's when it's all going to come to fruition to see if any of what we're talking about matters. But I mean, I do think there are the people in place for the defense to make a significant improvement even though that might not be saying much because we were pretty bad last year. The personnel was really bad. Now the personnel is significantly better. Yeah, I I like it. I mean, it starts with believing in yourself, right? Like confidence can be a huge force multiplier um, for a a defense that still has a lot to prove. And if they can believe in themselves, that's kind of half the battle, right? You got to go on the field and you got to perform. You got to do it. But um, if they've got a belief in themselves, they've got a little bit of an edge, a little bit of an, a- an attitude. Yeah, I'm all for it. They should be better. And honestly, you know, Brendan, I, I'm not trying to avoid your question, but I'm just thinking we get to watch Bears preseason football next week. Like that, that, that blows my mind, right, to think about. And I, I'm trying not to get too much into whatever we see at camp. I just, I want to watch them play real football um, and against opponents because everybody's going to win the Super Bowl on paper at this point, right? You look at any training camp at all 32 teams. I want to see what it looks like on the football field. And not the Cardinals. Cardinals ain't managed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair, but fair. I, I do have, I do have one more question. This one's probably going to be a little bit shorter, but uh, injuries are popping up a little bit. Nate Davis has missed the last few days. Tremaine Edmonds now. They held a lot of guys out of Family Fest, and to be honest, I'm kind of happy because it's raining at Soldier Field. Only bad things can happen. <laughs> well, except week one last year, but usually when it comes to that turf, bad things could potentially happen. So um, any concern for you guys about – you know, injury issues, especially on the offensive line. I know Flus isn't, but they're not going to give much up anyway in those press conferences. No, no, they're not going to say anything. They're not going to say anything, obviously, specifically just like last year. I think that's their, you know, that's their MO, which, you know, I think is fine. I, the, the only thing that I would say is that, or maybe I would ask as a follow-up is, you know, when does, when does Tevin Jenkins become, you know, a, a chronic injury risk player you know or or another way to put it is how how confident are you that he makes it through the entire season healthy um i don't have any questions about 
you know, his play on the field when he's healthy. I think he's an absolute mauler, but, um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm making too much of it, but I I just, I feel like every time you look up, he might be sitting out or he might be, (laughs) you know, on the elliptical or something like that. Yeah, that's been, I mean, I won't belabor the point, Jack. I think we've we've talked about that quite a bit uh, over the last six months or so, just Tevin Jenkins' availability being a huge concern and, you know, being a, a potential need in the offseason, right? I think at one point we talked about whether they need to address uh, the right guard position at the time because he can't stay healthy. So I'm I'm very concerned about his his health. But, Brennan, to your overall question, no, I'm, I'm not concerned about it. If these guys are sitting out, Week one, yeah, but they got a lot of time to heal up. Anything else, boys? Yeah, I got two quick hitters because uh, I know Brendan doesn't want to talk about the Wednesday practice, but I'll mention it. Oh, and good, if you want. If yeah, you, let's go for it. If you are tired of endless negativity in your Bears coverage and you want a fair and measured approach and you want to listen to people who can put aside – uh, the history of the Bears and their own personal biases, and not be the 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 Danny Downer, Debbie Downer uh, that um, you know you see in the media. Check out the Bear Down Chicago podcast. Uh, we would love uh, to have you tell a friend, tell two friends, make this thing a whole pyramid scheme, whatever. Just uh, get some folks in here to listen uh, because we're going to give you our our honest and fair and reasonable take that will not be colored by perhaps the uh, Bears' failures of the past. Uh, And then the other thing I'll say is um, that I lost my train of thought and I forgot. You just got so mad at Dan Weeder. That was was nice. That was was a nice plug. Bear Down Chicago podcast is awesome. Don't be Danny Downer. Right, yeah. a little take. It, I, I, I like that. Oh, I know, I know what it was. I just wanted to comment overall how much I love the hysteria in in Packers land. Um, I'm seeing, I'm having like Mitch, Mitch TSD. Like I'm having flashbacks to Mitch, and I'm seeing a lot of their rationalizations and comments um, are are similar to how I rationalized Mitch's play and just them attacking anything and everything they can latch onto. I like seeing them criticize how Justin Fields throws a water balloon to, you know, uh, how full the stadium is at fan fest. I mean, they're just losing their, their shit right now. So worried about everything. Uh, as long as it takes their attention and focus away from how poorly Jordan love has looked this preseason. And uh, you know, I know, I, I tend to agree a little bit with Jason. We don't know what he is. He's an unknown commodity at this point, but um, the reports of, of his performance as far have not been glowing and yeah, like he needs to prove it on the field, but my gosh, guys, this is year four in the system. And uh, you would think in shells, he would look a little teensy bit better than he has um, having played with the same guys in the same system for now going on his fourth year. So uh, I wish nothing but the worst for that entire city <laughs> and organization uh, from now until no, the we end. Want of- a, we want a Mitch, right? We want a guy that will win you some games and then be awful, right? So they are not getting the first yeah. overall pick. Kind of string yeah. him along. That's yeah. what we yeah. want. You got you guys. I think you'll see that. I think you'll see he'll have a Tampa Bay game like where 
you know, Mitch had the five touchdowns against Tampa Bay where you'll see Just Jordan Love us. and he'll have an amazing game and you'll go, yeah, he's the guy and everybody will get excited. And deep down Bears fans will will know the truth and we'll go, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, Jason, Jason did say it best. He said the worst thing for both franchises is to be in that middle ground and not know what the hell needs to happen. And then, of course, they did extend Jordan Love just to kind of, yeah. you know, give themselves a buffer just in case. But um, it, it, this might be a little bit of cell phone as Bears fans, but this really, like you said, the Mitch TSD, I think that's perfect, really trying to talk yourself into this quarterback. And, you know, look, we love Bears fans. We are Bears fans, but there are a lot of Bears fans that talk themselves into everything happening with their quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, whether it's Matt Barkley, no matter who it is. And now Packers fans are doing the same damn thing. And all I can say is, yeah, this is how it feels. And you're doing mental gymnastics to try and make it that this quarterback is going to be good. We've been there. You know, welcome to the club. It's it's not a fun club. We are subject matter experts on this, so don't yes. you know, dismiss <laughs> our opinions and observations at your own risk. You may think we're just throwing some friendly jabs uh, at a rival, but um, we've been there. We've done that. We we see the writing on the wall, so um, maybe maybe listen every now and again. We know bad quarterbacking. Yes. I just I, – I think a little bit, maybe this is apples to oranges, but do you remember how awful we thought the Seattle Seahawks were going to be? Yes. Based on what we saw in a yes. pregame and how incredibly wrong we were. And I, I still am going a little bit with that. You know, the Packers are the kings of the north until they aren't. And, you know, we don't know what we're going to see on week one. And there are still a lot of question marks with the Bears and a lot of new players that have to figure out how to fit in to this new Bears team. And and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be Danny down here, but I wonder what extent there will be a psychological edge of you know the I own you factor. I mean the Packers have owned us, you know, so they, that's going to be a hurdle that the Bears are going to have to leap at some point, like from a psychological perspective, not going even beyond just the play on the field. Like they're not we're not better than the Packers until we are, and when that comes, I will. I mean every one of those. Veil references at climax that you had Patrick on Twitter a week ago. I will republish every one of them time and time again. And it will be great. <laughs> two things, two things, Jack on the flip side of that with the Packers and Rogers owned us. Jordan love now has those shoes to step into and he's going into the place that unfortunately Rogers has owned and he's got to live up to that. In front of a hungry Bears fan base, a hungry Bears defense, that's a lot for a young quarterback who has not had point. much of anything to to build off of his entire career. Like Jason said, he said one start, didn't go great. Came in when it was garbage time, when the defense was just playing prevent and had a few good drives. But this is big for him. Like this is going to be that statement game for both Justin Fields and Jordan Love. But I mean – you talk about the pressure Justin Fields is having. Jordan Love is having very similar pressure for that week one matchup. And I'll just say, any everybody can fan however they want. I'm not telling or policing on how you should kind of view the Chicago Bears or anything. But this time next week, we are going to be reviewing a Bears preseason game. And you mentioned it. We all thought last year the Bears went 3-0 in preseason – we thought that things were maybe not going to be as bad as we thought. 
that was a damn lie. And I just am telling everybody, don't get too high or too low on what this team is going to do. The big important thing is I'd say we want Justin Fields to look like he's getting the ball out faster and going through his reads. But the biggest thing is stay healthy. Get these guys in and out of the field. Make sure there's no significant injuries. Get yourself to week one and just show that you are at least a little bit ready to go for when the Packers come in. So I'm just not taking away anything big from those preseason games. That's all. A lot of preseason left. I'm excited to see. I'm excited for football. It's beginning to feel a lot like football. It's almost that time. Boys, it is time to get out of here. We've had a lot to talk about. We've got episodes coming in, uh, some some awesome guests. Uh, next week is Thomas from uh, Cubs Legion, which you guys are going to want to talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, there, there's some definitely some tough. Maybe not so much about the White Sox, though. Uh, the tweet that came out from the Bear Down Chicago podcast uh, about Shelton. Oh, yeah, it's White Sox. I just, please go check it out if you possibly can. Boys, it's time to get shout outs. Let's uh, go Shells, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. <laughs> Shout out to Jose Ramirez. Because <laughs> if not for his vicious right hook, we wouldn't have had that gem of a, of a meme that, was it you, Dangle? That sent it. That's Brendan. That's all. Was that Brendan? Give credit okay, where credit that is. That's fantastic. <laughs> I bookmarked it. It is uh, <laughs> it, it, perfect. It is Jeff's kiss. It was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so shout out to to Jose Ramirez and Brendan for capitalizing on that opportunity. <laughs> Jack. Sorry, I was uh, stymied by how terrible my White Sox are. Um, so, you know, iron sharpens iron, guys. And uh, as we know, that's what makes the Bears so great. And it's also what makes the Bear Down Chicago podcast so great. And if you're not following our mothership on the social media formerly known as Twitter, then please do so. We're up about... I don't even know, Ryan. I think we're up like, I'm going to say 70% on followers. I'm just going to make up facts because that's what you can do now and get away with it. So <laughs> we're up 70% uh, of followers on the Bear Down Shy Pod. So follow us at the Bear Down Shy Pod. But for real, when you go back to thinking about what Shells was saying, I do think the local media guys are pressured to come up with something day in and day out. And so sometimes they're not just reporting and analyzing what's happening in Chicago Bearland. They are making the stories. And we don't do that. We don't. We have the luxury because we're weekly, I think, to get good analysis in on a week to week basis. So I don't think you're going to regret following us. Uh, the Bear Down Chicago podcast has what you need. And then uh, there's just a couple. There's one I thought you and Brendan would really love. One new follower that I have, uh, he's the Barrelorian. I think that's a star. Is that a Star Trek? Oh, Jesus. Star Wars. I'm sorry. It's a Star Wars reference. No, the DeLorean's from Back to the Future. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Uh, 5.6 gigawatts. Um, he's at- <laughs> Ryan's breaking out into a sweat right now. Look what we've done to him. 1.21, Jack. 1.21 for every reference. Um, <laughs> anyway, the Barrelorian is a new follower of mine. Thanks to you. He is at 
the king of the north. The Barilorian. This is Ngakwe. Ryan? No? Yeah, no, I, I got I got it, but screw you. Yeah. Can, they can't all be winners, damn it. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, okay, uh, hold on. But I am so excited to see what you do with all the new names, with Brendan's breakdowns at the beginning of the season. Brendan, like, I am geeked up. <laughs> you do such a good job with it. I can't wait. I know that a lot of our listeners, uh, like, they, they talk about how it's one of their favorite things. No pressure or anything, but we oh, want to good. I've been, I've been thinking. I've got a few already. <laughs> did any, did anybody go. see my, uh, my Yannick tweet? Somebody's asking how you pronounce it, if it's Yannick or Yannick. Uh, hard, yeah, it's hard. I didn't yawn. actually. It's a hard yawn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ah, there he is. He's my guy. <laughs> All right. Before we just go off the rails, a uh, couple quick shout outs. One shout out to the Cubs. God bless you, beautiful baseball team. You're rolling. We got meaningful August baseball in the city of Chicago for one of our teams. The other one, the only meaningful thing is just how many knockouts can the other team get? And the answer is one. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, to, Anderson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the Cubs for just, you know, being an absolute joy and an absolute wagon right now. Um, I'm so excited to watch fall baseball for the first time in a couple years. So, um, yeah, how about that? The Cubs basically already did a rebuild in the time that the White Sox were supposed to be competitive. That's enough, Brendan. Move along. I just thought they were – I I was told their dynasty was going to be much better than the Cubs. That's sure. all. It's fine. You're, you're kicking him while he's down. It's yeah, I know. Time. But, well, okay, Jack Jack is just collateral damage. This is really to the Sox fans who talked all that crap over the last <laughs> few years. But I'll move on. I will move on. Thank you. Shout out to Ruben Dominguez, uh, one of our followers. Please follow him on Twitter and X. He deserves it. He's a great Bears fan. Uh, big follower of the podcast. He's at RubeDeCube20. What an awesome name. Uh, he and his family took in Family Fest today. He posted some pictures on social media. Uh, just really happy for him that uh, they were able to do that. It looked like it was a great time for everyone. So shout out to him. Shout out to him for being a great supporter. And then uh, shout out just to Alyssa Barbieri and uh, really the entire Bears Wire team, as well as Lucas Hunt. Um, they're, especially Alyssa, gathering all of the daily updates from Twitter. I see people who don't even have Twitter or X constantly follow it to get those live updates. She does a fantastic job. I know I've shouted out before, but uh, this is really one of the best things that she does in terms of gathering reports and just putting them all in one place. So uh, we're halfway through training camp, basically. Um, I'm sure Ryan and I will have some updates come, you know, later this week, but uh, shout out to Alyssa uh, for everything she does on bears wire. Uh, Brendan, shout out to you for getting me tickets. Um, and I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to go on Wednesday. My whole house is torn up. We're getting new floors and a new bathroom. So like, it's just a giant disaster. So I'm excited to get out of the house for a little bit. You just want to be away from <laughs> Yeah, my wife doesn't watch this app. She doesn't watch the podcast, so she's not gonna not gonna know that I said that. But yeah, I'm just excited to get out of the house for a little while. Um, my uh, my first real shout out goes to Jordan Johnson, all the way in Adelaide, Australia. He is a Port Adelaide Football Club um, supporter, just the same as I am. But here's another really cool distinction: he's also 
a Chicago Bears fan all the way in Adelaide, Australia. And so we've been talking a little bit back and forth. We like two of the same teams, and that is so much fun. Jordan, um, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, I hope we can we can talk Bears and we can talk a little bit of footy at some point. And then a follower of ours, uh, I think he follows us on threads, on Instagram uh, and Twitter. I'm still not calling it that other thing, uh, is Jeffrey Carter. We had a couple back and forth um, disagreeing on a couple things, but didn't, doing so respectfully. And I love that civil discourse is fun uh jeffrey thank you so much for following the pod and for for having some back and forth i want you to know i appreciate you for all of us at the bear down chicago podcast oh please sheldon yeah can i get can i get one more i i just i'd be remiss if i didn't shout out uh the folks that joined us live tonight um just looking at some some faithful followers heidi uh you've been fantastic rowdy bear down uh everybody else that's joined us tonight thank you so much can't tell you how much we appreciate that support we hope you join us again uh next week and uh continue to follow us along this season hit like hit subscribe check us out on youtube if you're just listening to us if you're uh listening come on check it out uh, us out on youtube what do those voices look like um also folks if you could please hit us with a five-star review it really helps to widen our audience and we haven't done enough of that we're on threads we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on twitter come and follow us hang out with us at any time that you possibly can we got some great bears content coming your way for all of us here at the bear down chicago podcast that's logan bradley patrick sheldon jack wright brendan chagrew i am ron Ryan Daigle, folks, thank you so much. And as always, bear down, Chicago.